I'm Dan Joseph. You're listening to the Dan Joseph's America podcast. Adderall, a miracle drug. No question about it. I'm sure that most of you have heard of it. There are other drugs like it. Ritalin was the first. That was back in the 80s. There's some others, but Adderall is the most popular. Its generic name is amphetamine salts. And look, this drug is amazing. I take it. I've taken it for years now. It helps you focus. It helps people who have trouble concentrating on doing the things they need to do to get through their day. And the drug is usually associated with getting work done, studying. A lot of college kids use it to help them study, and it works. It makes you focus like a laser beam. I, I actually wrote a book back in the early 2000s. Uh, mid, I'm sorry, late 2000s. And I was taking Adderall the whole time. Because not only do I have attention deficit disorder, which is what the drug was created to treat, but if you're going to write a book and you literally have to sit in front of the computer for hours at a time, Adderall makes it easier. And it makes the experience more tolerable, at least I found. Um, I'm on a low dose. I've always been on a low dose. But I know people who are on very high doses. I know people who are on upwards of 50 milligrams, which is really high. Um, I'm on 20, 20 milligrams, and that's not a very high dosage. But the stuff works. And it's getting very popular with people who don't have ADHD. It particularly got popular during the pandemic because people were at home working and there were all sorts of distractions and the kids were at virtual learning and there were distractions and they needed to concentrate. So a lot more people started taking it and the demand for the drug just exploded. Um, Also, I didn't mention this, the rise of telehealth, right? More people were seeing doctors and are seeing doctors because it's easier now and more people are getting prescribed. So as a result of the demand going up, it's been very difficult for some people to get Adderall. And the price of the drug has increased. So there's a real shortage. And this is also a drug that's abused. Often, you actually have to show an ID when you pick it up and you need a physical prescription where I am because it's it's powerful. And if people who take the drug are suddenly deprived of it, which I have been before, it's no fun. You are tired, you are sad, you are grouchy, and you can't concentrate. Now, I've been lucky. There have been a few times that I've gone to the pharmacy and had to wait a few days to get a refill because of the shortage. But for the most part, I've been able to get it with no issues. It has been available to me. But a lot of people are really struggling with this because it most likely is being overprescribed But everyone wants it because, like I said, there are a lot of benefits. Now, we as a society, we consume an incredible amount of pharmaceutical drugs. Americans spend about $600 billion on pharmaceuticals every year. And Americans account for about 40% of the pharmaceutical market worldwide. You have 66% of Americans taking prescription drugs. That's two-thirds. That's an incredible statistic. Why is that? Well, it's because the drugs are amazing. That's why, right? They they, they work. They're they're incredible. It's a miracle. I I hear a lot of people say, oh, we're overprescribed. We're an overprescribed nation, maybe on some drugs. 
But prescription drugs have changed society for the better. I don't think there are a lot of people who disagree with that. We are capable of living longer. We can treat a variety of illnesses and diseases easily. The most prescribed drug in the U.S. is actually Lipitor, which is a cholesterol drug. Uh, The drugs to treat high blood pressure are used by millions, including myself. And as a result of things like these, people are living longer. And it's going to get better. These drugs are going to get better. Technology is speeding up. And you can see, I think, a possibility in the future where people, where, where people will live to be 100 or 110 because they, they can treat once untreatable illnesses with prescription drugs. So like I said, it's a miracle. I sometimes think about what would have become of me if I was living in a time where antidepressants, which I take, didn't exist. It's a, it's, a, it's really a terrifying thought, but that was the reality only 40 years ago. So it's likely that a lot of lives have been saved by not only pharmaceuticals for f- physical illness, but also for mental illness. Now, despite all this undeniably good stuff, we're told by some people that the prevalence of these drugs is somehow bad for society. And I think that stems from a couple things. I th- first, there's still a sense that drugs are unnatural by some people. They're, they contain chemicals. A lot of people don't want to take them out of principle because they worry that they aren't safe. They worry that they'll have long-term side effects. That's pretty rare. It, typically, they do a lot of testing, years of testing. Testing to the point where the drug is ready to come out, but it, you know they're still just want to be 100% sure that it's safe. And it's, it's very rare that anything there are any long-term side effects of any of these medications. But you see this fear of things that people don't have full understanding of. We don't really know how all these drugs work. Doctors do. Some scientists do. But most of us are like, okay, I take a pill and I, I, I feel better or I get better. They, they don't get it, so therefore they don't trust it. Look, I mean, look at the COVID vaccine. Hundreds of millions of people got it. And it works. But you still have a sizable contingent of people who are fearful of it, who don't trust it. There is a cottage industry that questions whether drugs that are proven to be safe are actually dangerous. There there was the original vaccine conspiracies in the early 2000s. You had lunatics like Robert F. Kennedy and Jenny McCarthy scaring the hell out of people saying the vaccines will give kids autism. No proof of this. But it poisoned the well. It made people fearful. Same with the COVID vaccine. Were there a few adverse reactions? Yes. Out of millions. There were probably some deaths. But the fear of it was sparked by conspiracy theorists, largely on the right, who were adamantly opposed to the shot. Out of fear. And yeah, I, I think a lot of people were also just stubborn. They they felt like by taking the shot, they were letting the government tell them what to do or forcing them to do something so they refused to get vaccinated. They didn't think that long-term effects had been studied enough. I know there's some people out there. I disagree with that. But what it all comes down to was that these people didn't understand the science of mRNA vaccines fully. And they heard that some people were getting a uh, myocarditis, which is a heart issue that mostly young men get. It's rarely deadly. But when they heard about that, they said, aha, I told you so. 
I told you that this was dangerous. Told you this was no good. And they saw it as a good enough reason not to get the shot. And I also think there's a simpler answer to that. I think a lot of people just didn't want to go to the doctor or the pharmacy to get it. I think there were still a lot of people who are terrified of needles. But I think most of it came down to a misunderstanding and a lack of knowledge about how these drugs worked. And there are a lot of people who see drugs for depression and other mental illnesses as being dangerous as well. There are people who have created this imaginary connection between antidepressants and school shootings. They point out, well, a lot of these shooters are on these drugs. Maybe they're causing them to go crazy. Eh, eh, I suppose it's possible. But but it's much more likely that someone with mental issues is going to do something crazy whether on medication or not. So causation does not equal correlation in those cases. But, But again, people are scared. And many people in America are also programmed to be terrified of things that they don't understand or that they see as easy fixes. If you see something that's an easy fix, like Ozempic, for example, another drug for diabetes that's being uh, sought by people because they want to lose weight, they, they see that kind of as being a scam. Oh, it's too easy. Oh, well, I can be happy with a pill. That's just too good to be true. There must be some kind of danger that we don't know about. So I'll just go on being depressed or I'll go on being at risk for COVID or a heart attack or whatever. But I think most people understand how beneficial these drugs are to society as a whole. Now, another sticking point here, which we have to mention, is the cost. The cost of prescription drugs is high. Uh, It's, for many who don't have insurance, unaffordable. You get a buy a thing of pills. It costs $1,000. That screwed up. I, I believe that life-saving drugs need to be affordable. Everybody should have access to them. But in the U.S., we have this very weird system that is so convoluted that most people, including myself, can't wrap our heads around it. You have, you have all these actors. You have the drug companies, the pharmacies, the doctors, the insurance companies, the government, and then there are these middlemen. That's, that's what they're called, pharmaceutical middlemen. I'm not even sure what role they play. I've been trying to figure it out for a long time. But it, you read something about it, and it's so confusing, and your eyes just kind of glaze over. And But a lot of people say that the existence of these middlemen is what's keeping the prices of drugs artificially high. But if you don't, if you don't want to do a ton of research on the actual reasons why pharmaceutical drugs are high – also reasons that involve the government, which underpays for drugs under Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, also research and development from the pharmaceutical companies, which we will get into in a minute. But it is much easier to say, well, it's, yeah, it's those greedy pharmaceutical companies. They're the real bad guys here. A lot of people think that. And I've never really understood the hatred for these companies. It doesn't make a lot of sense. They're not trusted by a lot of people. Big Pharma isn't, and and Big Pharma is kind of a a pejorative. As we saw with the vaccine, some people think Big Pharma has nefarious intent, that they're greedy, that they're they're keeping life-saving drugs from us on purpose just because they want to stoke demand and that they want to hesitate to put it on the market. 
it, it surprises me. It surprises me how low the trust in the pharmaceutical companies is considering how beneficial and effective the product they make is. Is it greed? Well, the pharmaceutical industry makes a lot in profit. Okay. But they aren't even in the top 10 or top 15 of the most profitable industries. But yet they serve as a whipping boy for politicians because it's a product that so many people need and many of those on the left think it should be taxpayer funded. But you do have research and development and that's a huge cost for the pharmaceutical manufacturers because someone has to create these drugs. So that's a big part of what they use money for. We want more drugs to be made. We want more lives to be saved, right? Sure. Who doesn't want that? There's advertising. And this one rubs a lot of people the wrong way. They resent the fact that the drug companies advertise their latest medication. But of course, if they didn't advertise, you wouldn't know about a potentially beneficial treatment. Your doctor might not be aware of the drug. You go to a doctor's office, sometimes they'll hand you a pen and the pen will say the name of a drug on it. That's for the doctors. That's for the doctor so he knows about the medication. Or for you... So you can ask about the medication. But that, but that's not a bad thing in my eyes. We advertise everything in this country. But the, but the drugs, look, I'm not, I'm not excusing this. The drugs should absolutely be affordable. The question is how do we get there? There, there are a lot of reasons for inflated prices in the healthcare industry. We've all heard of the Tylenol that you get at the hospital that costs like $100. But there are reasons for a lot of these issues that don't involve price gouging. Also, almost all the drugs are created in the United States. You might not know this. And other countries have taxpayer-funded healthcare systems. So the government can bargain with the companies and those com- countries can underpay the pharmaceutical industry. And that causes the prices to go up for Americans because the companies have to make up for the lost profit somewhere. So all in all, the hatred aimed at the pharmaceutical companies and the way the politicians go after them, it's all class warfare because we should be thanking these companies. We should be thanking God that they exist. We need them. They have improved our lives in ways that we can't even comprehend and will continue to do so in the future. And yes, maybe I'm just a little bit biased because I know how much these medications have helped me personally. But, you know, if we're going to go through times where there are shortages, uh, that scares a lot of people. So I think that steps need to be taken to correct this, to ensure that there's enough for everybody. I, I mean, I think that's key. Now, will this make it so the prices may go up even more? Yeah. If they're making more drugs, it might. But still, I, I mean, these are so beneficial to us in so many ways. I, I think that if it was, as long as it's affordable, as long as you can you can pay for it and you know it doesn't cost you a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars for a for a, a thing of pills then i think you're going to you're going to have a lot of people taking them and that's even more people taking them than take them now and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing I'm Dan Joseph. This is the Dan Joseph's America podcast. New episodes on Monday, Wednesday and Friday. No episode next Monday, however, being Christmas Day. And speaking of Christmas, if you go to my YouTube page at DanJoseph78, you will find a new video about a Christmas party in Boston where no white people were allowed. Yeah. 
and you're going you're going to be very surprised at who threw this party. See you next time.